And welcome, Rooster Boosters, to Rooster Booster Time with the big guy, Scott Ferrara. And uh, we have a special guest this week. We're, we're back, actually. We're back. We haven't had an episode in, a, in quite, a, quite a long time. I've been waiting for some of these signings to become available so that they can get a, a nice interview with the big guy. So this week, we have Rooney Locke, Charlie Hewitt. Charlie, how you doing? Thank you for being on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah, all good. Um, not a lot going on right now, but yeah, stay, trying to stay healthy. And, and uh, we were talking before we were recording, you're down in Houston. So how many pounds have you put on in quarantine just eating barbecue? Um, I've actually lost weight to be fair. Like, um, when I, when I, when my training sort of subsides, I, I sort of forget how much I need to eat and stuff, but I mean, <laughs> it's still my go-to. I mean, like, oh, ab- absolutely. You, you I mean, can't not, can't not eat barbecue and live, live down here. So absolutely. Yeah, uh, absolutely jealous. One that you're losing weight and eating barbecue (laughs) Two that you're just eating barbecue. And it's funny. I actually, I was talking to somebody um, yesterday and we were talking about rugby shape versus quarantine shape. And after the season, a lot of the the roosters actually got really ripped because they were just working out during quarantine. They weren't hitting the pads. They weren't hitting the guys. They're doing a lot of, you know, running a lot of calisthenics and they got really ripped. And and in my head, especially as a forward, that's Mm. not necessarily the best thing. You know, you need like, those extra yeah. five or ten pounds just to don't, don't tell anyone they're looking in good shape though. <laughs> There's too many egos as it is. So. Oh, Anthony Parry showed me one ab, oh, just man. one, not a six, just oh, one. No. no, I don't want to. I don't want to see that guy with his shirt off at all. So. <laughs> oh, because and here I thought you were going to be like you know Ben Foden with you know the shirt off and the. Um, I'm English, but I'm, I mean, I'm not. I'm not that in love with myself. Quite, quite. I mean, if I if I had his rig, then maybe. But. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so actually, that comes up to my first question. You know, I mean, we're we're out of quarantine, quote unquote. But I mean, mm-hmm. you know, travel is still restricted for certain states throughout. You know, to certain countries. So what 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 was your routine to stay in shape during this whole thing? Um, well, initially it was pretty difficult. Like, um, I came back to Houston, this is where my girlfriend and my dog are. And it was just a case of finding anything. So, I mean, gyms were closed, um, couldn't use turf fields or any facilities were open. So me and a few of the teammates that was on the Sabercats, we sort of lumped together and bought God knows how much gym equipment off <laughs> Facebook Marketplace. And we were actually working out in a, a few of them all live in the same apartment complex. And I was, it's about 15, 20 minutes from where I live. And we were all working out in the parking lot under one of the reserved parking spots that was empty during the day. So that was us for a good, probably I'd say two, two and a half, maybe three months. Like wow. it was out, outdoors, 100 degree heat, sweating. So that was the best we had at first. And then if any fitness we needed to do, we'd usually end up running the loop around like this man-made lake that was about a mile away. So that was the best we could do until the gym started opening again. Well, I mean, no wonder you were losing weight during quarantine. I mean, the heat <laughs> alone is the probably the only reason I don't move to Texas. I mean, I could sweat, you know, in Antarctica in February. So it's, oh, yeah. you know, oh, oh yeah, yeah. No, it's disgusting. I mean, right now is like... If I was back home in England, the weather right now here in Houston would be like a perfect summer because the humidity's <laughs> dropped. It's about 80 to 90 degrees. But like this is October, November, sort of full time in Houston. And that's it's summer to me. Mm-hmm. All, July, August is like stay inside weather. Yeah. Last time I went to London, we went in the middle of February and uh, people thought I was crazy because I was just wearing like shorts and a T-shirt because it was like mid fifties <laughs> mm. and people thought I was a little nuts. And I'm like, listen, it's like two degrees in New York. 
<laughs> I'm wearing flip-flops and shorts in London. I'm fine. Trust me. Yeah. No, no, I get you. I definitely agree with that. <laughs> um, so, I mean, you, you're not in a Rooney practice yet. So let we'll go back to you hanging out with those guys, those Sabercat guys. How did you guys make practice fun? Um, it's probably mainly the personalities we got. Um, we had, um, Diego Magno was hanging around in town until he went home. He's a big character. And <laughs> I mean, pretty much every other word that comes out of his mouth is some form of insult towards you or you, <laughs> or where you're from or something like that. So rugby I mean, banter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, after a while he drains you, trust me, but no, it was, it was, um, it was good. Like, I think everyone realized everyone that stayed realized it was a sort of just sort of make the best of the situation kind of thing. And it's a good, it was a good group of guys to be fair. I mean, half of them have gone home now, so it's slim pickings, but no, it was good. It was good. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know it's going to be tough going into 2021 for all these guys to come back, but I'm kind of, um, I'm, I'm excited because watching a bunch of these guys who went to Bermuda and going through the process and, you know, they set out strict guidelines, you know, they have to stay in the same hotel, you know, they've, they're doing the contact tracing, they're taking the first test, they're taking the second test, they were kind of all on the same flights. And I'm hoping the MLR is maybe going to pick up some of those tricks for, for the international guys that are going to come over and say, hey, you know, this is the protocol we use. Uh, maybe we can give it to the state that they're going to and say, hey, this is the protocol we followed. And maybe they'll kind of get a little bit of leeway for some of these guys coming back because, you know, especially last year, when you had guys like, you know, Drew Mitchell and Kara Pryor and Evan Mintern, who got signed by Rooney and didn't get a chance to come over pre-COVID just because of visa issues. So, yeah. you know, it would, it would it would it would really stink for me as a fan and for them personally, obviously, if if the COVID was now the issue for them to come over, considering it's it's almost a year later, you know. Um, and I mean, you were even saying that your parents had luckily just got out or they might have been staying with you in Houston for a while. Um, no, not this time. So like... Um... <laughs> They they came they came and they were originally supposed to watch us play Seattle and they originally flew into Boston because at the start of the season I was playing for Houston and I was supposed to play against uh, the Free Jacks. They flew into there, ended up getting the train down, and then that week was I mean it was I probably gave the worst tour of New York possible <laughs> because everything was closed. I mean absolutely everything was closed. I mean we must have walked like. 10 12 miles in a weekend just because that was the only thing we could do <laughs> and then yeah they went they went to go back up to boston to get their flight home that flight got cancelled and the only flight they could get was out of new york so then they had to come all the way back down to new york and then they flew home but yeah that was right at the start when i think there was a lot of fear-mongering going on and people were not quite sure what was happening so everyone was just sort of taking off but i had to hang around because my parents were still over here <laughs> well you know it's it's good that they they got home because you know God forbid they would have to stay. I mean, I could just, I live with my parents for quite a long time and I could just imagine them coming over and, and on vacation and, and then saying, Oh, by the way, you have to stay in, in the house for two months. With me. You know, so I can, yeah. and, and, and I lived, me and my wife live with them in a, in their, um, in their attic too. So it was very tight quarters for me and my wife, knock on wood. We, we've been out of there for a few years now, but I could just imagine, and I'm sure, uh, that call to the girlfriend might have been tough too. Hey, by the way, my parents are coming for a couple months. You know? Yeah, I mean, she <laughs> she would have been polite about it, but she wouldn't have been too happy for sure. I'm pretty sure my mum would have just said screw it, and she would have probably taken off on a tour around America by herself. Like she's that sort of person, whereas dad would have been trying to save the pennies and sleep where he could, sort of thing. 
<laughs> That's great. You know, it's funny. My dad's cheap, notoriously cheap as as well. Yeah, Joker Club. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> that is great. Um, the the next question is: Who is your favorite sports hero? Damn. Um, that's a good I mean, question. it doesn't have to be rugby. It could be, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'd say growing up, my sort of rugby guy was probably Simon Shaw. Mm-hmm. Played for Wasps, Bristol, that. He was just like big guy, had an unbelievable Lions tour, etc. Um, since coming to Houston, I mean, Deshaun Watson was the man for me for football-wise. But, I mean, if I'm like being honest, there's a Rockets player called PJ Tucker. Oh. And like, I'm pretty big into my sneakers, and he's sort of known as <laughs> – Sneaker King, yeah, he's thing. a sneakerhead, yeah, yeah. He was, um, he was pretty easy to sort of tag along and um, follow as a fan, I must say. So, so now I got a follow up because you're what six eight, six seven, six seven. So, how much more do you have to spend in shoes? Because I'm assuming you have flipper size feet. No, I don't have flipper size feet, it runs in the family. Like, I know <laughs> there'll be a lot of jokes come in about small feet, etc. but. <laughs> Um, now I'm like a 12, 13, depending oh, on the yeah. shoes. So it's not really like a big deal for me. And that, I think that's being a tall guy and having reasonable size feet. That's why I gravitate towards shoes because clothes can be such a pain to buy. Oh. Whereas I always know the shoe's going to fit. So that's why I get a lot of stick from my girlfriend when I come home for the <laughs> second or third time that month with a new shoe box. Oh, geez. Yeah. I, I hear you with the, the it's calm down now. It's calmed down a lot now, though. That's good. No, but I hear you with yeah. the tough fitting clothes. I mean, I've been like five feet wide since I was, you know, in sixth grade. So it's always been tough for me to buy clothes. So I can only imagine. Well, and even my feet too. I have like extra, extra wide feet. So it's always tough yeah. trying to get an 11 extra, extra wide in anything. Yeah. So I could, I definitely, I hear that beat, but no, you know what? It's funny that um, more and more guys now are sneaker heads. And I think just, you know, online marketing and seeing what's available and, and social media, I mean, you got a guy who comes out and they they find a nice sneaker find, they throw it up on social media, and all of a sudden, all that inventory is gobbled up, and and it makes oh, a, a nice little, you know. Yeah, it, it's crazy. Like um, me and Sam Windsor, we live about thirty seconds away from each other. Our apartment blocks are about, I'd say, probably hundred meters from each other. So we're we're probably too reasonably into sneakers. He's very much. I'm going to wear them. These are my <laughs> shoes. Whereas I'm like, well, if, if they're going to fetch me a bit of money, I'm more than well willing to sell them on sort of thing. So absolutely. You know what? Yeah. I, that's, I would have that mind too. Unfortunately, all the things I collect is mostly crap. Um, so I don't think there's a value, <laughs> a value to most of it. Um, but you know, I, I definitely, if I, if I could get into something like that, I, I would definitely have that, that same mindset. I think, th- and that transfers over that kind of hustle to, you know, sports and jobs and, and other things. So outside of rugby, what, what do you do for a living? Um, well, I'm in the last year of my degree at the moment. So a lot of my sort of off time has been spent finishing that. I do a degree in business and I'm spending my last year focusing or specializing, as you call it, in uh, marketing and logistics. So a lot of my time, morning, I try to work out. Evening, it tends to be going through most of my study and other admin type things like that at the moment. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, I grew up since, since I was 18, 19, like my main job's been rugby. So it's, mm-hmm. it's good to have this cause I do have other interests and I'm not oblivious to the fact that it will come to an end. And I think I re- realized that more like after I had my injury, like mm-hmm. 
all it takes is one mistake sort of thing or one incident. So I've sort of cracked down a lot more on my studies. And I, and I find it's a good release as well, more than anything. Like when your whole life's revolved around one thing, it's good to find other passions and stuff. And it's given me ideas for the future about running business and stuff like that. So that was my main thing I do outside of rugby. You know, that's good though. You know, and I just finished James Haskell's book and he was talking about how he, he was the same way, you know, um, he started in the premiership at 17 years old and then played for 22 years, 23 years. Yeah. And when he came out, he said he had like, um, almost a three month depression period where he didn't know what he wanted to do. You know, he, he had like a passion of, of, of being, you know, music and DJing. And he didn't really think he could make that into something where, he continued to do it until he started talking to some people like, Hey, just go out and try to do something you love to do. And eventually you'll either succeed or you fail, but at least you'll try. And that's kind of what got him out of his hump. And he Mm. went on to do, you know, I'm a celebrity and all that other shit he does. But I could see if nowadays you have to set yourself up like you're doing maybe beforehand to say, Hey, you know, when it's over, I know what I want to do. I can jump, jump right into it. And you won't have that period of, of transition, you know? Yeah, and I think um, I think I would be more inclined. I mean, I've done some work down here, etc. But with the visas, a lot of the foreign players are on. If you're wanting, for instance, for me, I become US qualified in November, so I wanted to stay here so that I didn't jeopardize that. Working on a P1 visa means you can only work for Major League Rugby, which then limits any chance, especially since we've had the longest off season in human history <laughs> it does limit limit your what you do so you've got to keep yourself busy somehow especially um yeah especially the foreign players so anyone who stayed behind i i do feel for them sometimes because it can be a bit of a slog <laughs> well so talking about the eagles um have have, have there, there been any conversations yet you know november's um, uh, close i'm just saying yeah there's there's been a little bit um obviously i had a whole season out injured so it would have been good to have this whole season to show what I'm about and stuff. Um, Gary Wu Gold was actually my head coach at Worcester. Mm-hmm. And he was actually the guy who signed my visa letter to come over in the end. Oh. So I do actually know him in some extent. And I've spoken to him after games, et cetera. And obviously with Greg at Rooney, they said like, they said positive things. Like they said, there's not, you're six foot seven and you've got a lot of rugby experience with someone your age in America. So it's, mm-hmm. they said it's a possibility. They're not, they're never going to say, yes, you will definitely get capped, et cetera, all this stuff. But I don't think you're really looked upon until that date hits and your paperwork's through that you are qualified because otherwise they could just be wasting their time. Exactly. I mean, we had um, Wesley White on the show and, and he had, you know, such big issues with that. Mm, yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and I mean, on, on little things that he, you know, he didn't necessarily do anything wrong. He just was kind of a victim of circumstance. So I could see why, you know, the, 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 the administration at USA rugby might be a little, you know, hesitant yeah. to, to go ahead, you know, I think it's quite, I think it's a bit more cloudy as well for college players as well, mm-hmm. because everyone's like, you've got to be living in America for three years. The rules are something like um, you've got to class it as your new home. And if mm-hmm. you've got kids from England, they're going home at the end of every semester and stuff, then really like, are you class in America as your home or are you just here to study? So I well, think their, their yeah. water's a little bit more muddy than mine. But I mean, in his, yeah. his situation was like, I think his, his father purchased him a vehicle so he could live like, you know, do things and actually yeah. live in America. Yeah, and and <laughs> yeah. And for that to be the thing that hold, holds him back and, and, you know, restarted the clock for him as a 
you know, somebody outside of the picture, it just sounded a little ridiculous because it, especially since that's what you want, right? You want the, the kids to live here. Well, purchase mm. if, I mean, how many, you, they can't work, you know, your yeah. parents purchase them a vehicle just so they can get around, you know, and, and go to the frigging Burger King. But, you know, I also know NCAA in the other sports, you know, little things are, are crazy. Um, you know, yeah. they had a, they had a, a basketball coach <laughs> who got cited because he took it. He bought a kid a meal at McDonald's after the kid's father passed away, you know, like, Exactly, and then they had to self-report it. I, I it, uh, yeah, baffles me. Something <laughs> especially around sport, absolutely baffles me. It, it it absolutely baffles me too. You you can't you can't make it up. Um, so pr- let, let's. I got some pre-match stuff questions. Um, so what's your favorite pre-match meal? Um, oof. I mean the night before. I mean. I kind of got it off a friend back home when we used to live in the academy house together. He would always have chicken fajitas for dinner. And I mean, us English people, we're not, it's not like fajitas in Houston, Texas. Like it's a lot more plain, <laughs> a lot less spice, all of that. So, so it was basically chicken wraps with peppers and onions in them. So that was, that was probably my go-to for a good few years. Um, but the next day, I mean, I just keep it plain because I know it, I know if I put, any, put anything too spicy in my stomach, it's it's going to come out either end on the field, and I don't want that. So, <laughs> I, I was mean, I'm, all, I'm an oatmeal guy in the morning for yeah. sure. I w- I was the same way. Um, I didn't like to eat right before matches, um, even you know if it was a if it was, if it was a morning match or a morning football game. You know, I tried to eat an earlier dinner the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, you know, I, I've gotten a lot of different answers from from the roosters. You know, um, Dylan Fawcett, the butcher, he was doing he does intermittent fasting, so it depends on what time the kickoff is and how his schedule is. Yeah. Um, then you had guys. He, he does diet, does he? What was that? He does. He does a diet, does he? Yeah, yeah. And he 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 you know can only eat at certain times, and he you know, he really <laughs> likes he really likes his breakfast. So he's like you know depending on the match, can I have my breakfast? Can I have my? And then um, a former rooster, Mikey Brown, was saying he doesn't eat that much, and then. Kirk Hamilton called him out about not eating much and says, Oh, Mikey eats a ton. <laughs> you know, so I mean, As I mean <laughs> you're telling me about all these, all these like the chunkier guys on the team that don't <laughs> eat, apparently. Yeah. Well, that's, they were all saying, Oh, we don't eat, we don't eat, we don't eat. And then uh, Kirk yeah. Hamilton kind of, he was like, they Yeah, no, they eat. Obviously. He's like, yeah. They eat. He called them right out. And I was like, Oh, God. Um, <laughs> but no, it's, it's interesting now, you know. I feel, you know, every every person has their own preparation. So I always like to know, you know, kind of what they do. Um, so what, like pre-match, you're in the locker room, you know, you're, are, are you like a uh, by yourself guy? Do you put the headphones on? Do you check your notes? Do you just kind of drift off? What do you do like pre-match? Um, I try to stay pretty lighthearted these days. I mean, when I was much younger, sort of 18, 19, I used to get myself really wound up and I'd have my headphones in and I think that just built my nerves up. So more than anything, I usually try and make it quite lighthearted and talk to people, but half the time they don't want anything to do with me because they got their headphones in and they're pulling them out saying, what do you want? And stuff like that. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm, I'd say I'm a lot calmer these days, the past few years, especially since I moved to America, like before matches and I'm more willing to talk to someone who maybe it might be their first MLR match or their first professional match. So I'd, I'd say I'm, I'm a drifter probably. I just get tape, get taped up, and yeah, probably a lot of tape now. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I get taped up, and then I just sort of chill out. Really, I'm not, I'm not really playlist. If I'm listening yeah. to any music, it's usually quite calm music. To be fair, so not one of those hype merchants. It's funny, yeah. A lot of the guys I spoke to have, if they did music again, it was just either 
stuff they know or just music to not necessarily to get hyped to, but just kind of get them through until that, that yeah. you know, kick off and, and warm up. I thought good mute music, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. In a good mood. yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's been just about everybody's answer. Um, Rob Aramiscu was, was saying he gets a little antsy about, you know, five or 10 minutes before kickoff, but he kind of gets it out in warmups. You know, he finds somebody they can, you know, do a couple big hits real quick. Um, but it, everybody seems to come with a, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing how everybody comes in with that professional attitude already, you know, for a young league. I mean, you, you have guys who have been playing now, but even so three years as a professional for mm-hmm. some of the, you know, a lot of these guys doesn't seem like a lot, but I guess they've, they've always had that preparedness of, of, of being a professional. And it just, me, it's interesting to me to see everybody almost has not the same routine, but the same philosophy on their pre-match routine. Yeah. I think it, I think it's sort of, it's, moved on from the days of headbutting each other in the locker room <laughs> and just getting rowdy as hell. It's more a case of like the more worked up you get yourself. Like I, I want to be as fresh as I possibly can yeah. before I go onto a field. Cause I know my lungs are going to be bursting about 10 minutes in. So if I start wasting energy stomping around that changing room, then it's going to be no good for anyone. Absolutely. And and playing in, in the U S you know, I mean, if you were in the, the big division one teams and you were actually, you know, moving along and playing in, in Texas or playing in California and in, in the heat, you might be used to it. But I know some internationals, if they stayed in a tempered climate, aren't used to, you know, being in Staten Island in February, then going down to NOLA, you know, in May when it's yeah. you know, not, I mean, NOLA is like a hundred percent humidity in May. That's another place I could never move to. And I, I could see guys not being prepared because they just don't know. So, I mean, I, oh, it was, you know. I mean, when I first moved to America, it was a shock to the system. I mean, the first week I arrived, we played in, must have been 100 degree heat. And then, like, the last game, I think the last game of MLR that season we played at home was, I think it was Nola, no, Austin or Utah. And it was 2 p.m. kickoff in July. And oh. I mean, it was like 105 and I walked back into the change room, started seeing dots and the SNC had to carry me and put me in the ice bath in my full kit. And then in February, I, I fly up to New York, train the evening I fly and it's, I think, 30 degrees with wind chill sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of climates here. Back <laughs> home, it's, it's rain or there's cloud. <laughs> it's funny. I um I got to go to the first uh, training that Rooney had in 2020. And um, I want to say it was pre Bastro. And then I got to go like a week or two later and Bastro was there and James Candy comes over me and he goes, uh, what size is your sweatshirt? I'm like, it's like three X. And he goes, you want to, you want to give that to Basta? And I was like, no. He was like, why not? I was like, cause he gets paid to play. Can't you just give him a sweatshirt for free? Oh, we don't have any more three X's. I'm like, well, he's not taking mine. He's like, well, maybe he'll give you an autograph. I'm like, he can give me the hundred bucks it costs. Like, <laughs> they were like, yeah. yeah. I was like, just get him a damn sweatshirt. I don't know. He yeah, was. I was squeezed into a large polo shirt when I went up there for after <laughs> game. So I was having my trap, pull my trousers really tight and tuck it in. So yeah, I know the feeling of that. Oh man, it was just it was. Uh, sometimes it, was it just makes me laugh. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, and, and honestly, I actually like your, the, the stadium you guys play in over at Wagner or you're practicing over at Wagner. It's actually nice to, to, to come around and for, for most of the people who don't know, generally practices are kind of open. So, um, mm-hmm. as we have this, this, um, belated start to the MLR season, 
Um, if the rooster rooster roosters want to go, they can uh, go to Staten Island. I, I kind of go there every so often. So uh, we're going to try and make a trip out there for some practices. Um, so what is your favorite sports movie? Oh, great question. Um, damn. I'm either going to go probably remember the Titans. It, it right. must be an age group thing because, I mean, you're like it's the a, fifth guy who said that. It's a classic. It's a classic. Yeah. Um, I just find nowadays they make really cheesy sports movies. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, Coach Carter springs to mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't really make good sports movies back home. You don't see a good sports movie about soccer or anything like that. So, I mean, if you want to count the football factory, it's not really about yeah. football. It's about firms. I'd say probably mm-hmm. say the football factory. But, yeah, I'd say those are my top – I go top three for sports movies. That's a good question. Jeez. No, that's – and, I mean, again, that was – if usually guys would tell me, you know, a bunch of them and, and remember the Titans is always up there. And I think yeah. Rob, Rob and Mike both said coach Carter or Robin Kurt. So Robin, somebody also said coach Carter. And again, I think you guys are just a little bit younger than me, but I remember, I mean, it would be like, you know, Oh, we can't go outside for recess in the rain, throw on either the Sandlot or remember the Titans, you know, yeah. and that was, those yeah. were go-tos, you know, no, remember the Titans is very good. I've watched that numerous times. It's always, it always ends up in someone's DVD collection when you go on a bus trip for a game or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I got another one, another favorite here. So favorite sports quote, if you have one. Um, for sports quote. I mean, what's, well, I wouldn't say it's my favorite. What springs to mind straight away is Marshawn Lynch every time he gets interviewed <laughs> of just like – I'm only here so I don't get fined. I love, I, love, I love that attitude. That's great. I love that attitude. You can just, at least he's honest. Like he's just yeah. straight up, doesn't really care. I mean, Chad Johnson's come out with a few, but mm-hmm. I, mean, I can't think of any off the top of my head. But yeah, I'd go with Marshawn Lynch definitely. I mean, if you want to go football, I got a ton. I mean, you got uh, um, uh, Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. That was a big one in New York. And he just answered every question with you play to win the game. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm I'm a big hockey guy, so Al Michaels, 1980 gold, uh, um, silver medal or the semifinal against Russia. You know, do you believe in miracles? That, that was always a big one. Um, you know, so yeah, I, and Marshawn Lynch is just great. He's he's a freaking character. Yeah, um, I just think he was a bit ahead of his time. So I mean, like especially in rugby and stuff now that you find like a board like players are coming out of their shell in interviews yeah. and you realize in like you don't have to give the stock answer. You can give your like Ellis Genge. I grew up playing against is more than happy to just say what's on his mind. Like I, and I, I love characters like that in sport. I think you need more of them because most of the time boys are too scared to say something in case it jeopardizes, I don't know, the organization they're working mm-hmm. for or the opinion. So yeah, any, anyone who's really willing to speak their mind is someone I'm willing to listen to. It's funny too. Cause I think rugby used to be quite like hockey where you would kind of police yourself on the field. You know, if somebody, if somebody said something, you get them in a pile and now that's kind of been taken away. You know, they've, they've stopped the, you know, the, the kind of dirty play a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I think guys are more comfortable also, you know, maybe talking about people, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and, and not be having a repercussion on the field, which is always interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, Marshawn Lynch, I mean, in college, when he was he stole the medical cart and was driving that around after a bowl yeah, game. Yeah, that was brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah. He's just great. 
Um, <laughs> so, uh, if you could play another professional sport now, not, not based on, you know, it doesn't have to be like, I'm tall, I'm going to play basketball, but just if you wanted to play a professional sport, a different one, what would it be? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Something that's less taxing on my knees. <laughs> I mean, I grew up rowing, but damn, I, I do yeah. not want to go. I don't want to go back to that stuff. That was, that was too much. When you, when you're inside the bubble, it's great. But when you look on the outside, you're like, you just like, there's, there's bicycles on the side, just overtaking <laughs> you. Like, and you're giving it your all. And from the outside, it just looks horrific. <laughs> I don't know, really. I mean, I'm, I've always been awful at golf, so golf would be good. But then, I don't know, something like just out of the box, like F1 or something. I'm not a massive F1 fan. Yeah. Like, I do follow it a bit. But, I mean, and they get paid an absolute ton as well, which I wouldn't really complain about. Yeah, but they also run the risk of dying a lot. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, swings and roundabouts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big racing guy. I would probably pick race car driver, although I would probably go NASCAR. Cause, uh, yeah, but they, they just turn left slightly for four hours. Have, yeah, but they have a road course every so often, and you know, if you're not rubbing, you're not racing. You know, I mean, that's the <laughs> that's the fun of it. That's that's yeah, the fun of it. You know, you touch somebody in F1 car, and their fin goes flying, and you get red flagged, and you know, yeah, what fun is that? True. You know, and then you got everybody just complaining because you're not in a Ferrari, and then Lewis Hamilton, and the Mercs are winning every friggin' yeah. race. Yeah, like, I, don't, you know, I, I find I find that whole, I mean, it's two completely different sports. There's a, you've got to get the right driver with the right car. It's yeah. not, you can have the best driver, but if he's, I mean, driving for Williams, then it doesn't yeah, really exactly. matter. <laughs> exactly, and, and stock car racing, the money's there with enough teams that they're more mm. competitive, you know, so you have yeah. more drivers but, that are more competitive. So. I know they were trying to bring in the finance laws or equal spending sort of thing to make it a fairer competition but i think they postpone that and they keep postponing it because people are against it so and i'm sure now happens. you know with the pandemic and and trying to do everything they, they just kind of threw it through all that out the window for now too just yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure everybody's doing that but yeah i mean if you could fit an f1 car that might that's the other I mean, thing yeah you ever with, see lewis hamilton he's like five foot two you know yeah with, with taylor around me sort of thing <laughs> i mean extra wide extra yeah. long I'm going to spend that much money on a car. I've got to be fitting in it pretty comfortably. <laughs> They'd have to throw a lot of weight off, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're figuring it out. Um, so we're, we're getting down to the end of the list here. And um, what, you know, I, I, I some of these questions sometimes are, 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 are good ones. Some of these sometimes are, they're not. Um, but this is one of the questions I, I've started to throw in there. Um, if you could do one thing, like a bucket list, what would it what would it be? Okay, so there's a, um, there's like two things. Okay, that have always been at the top of my list. One is to do some form of road trip, but not like a bog standard road trip. I mean, like around the world. Yeah. Or there's a Ewan McGregor uh, actor from back home who played like Obi Wan Kenobi. The, when he does the motorcycle diaries. Yeah. He's done he's done Long Way Round, which was around the world, Long Way Down, which was London or John O'Groats to Cape Town in South Africa. And then he's doing now Long Way Up, which is Cape Horn, South America, all the way up to LA. I mean, just something like that would be insane. Like I would especially I, if I had the money to do it at some point and I'm old and retired, <laughs> I'd love to do something like that. Or um do like a survival experience on a desert island. <laughs> like, 
not necessarily with my friends, maybe like with random people like the Bear Grylls, the island, something like that, where you just get and you've got to try and survive. Like, I'd really love to see if I could absolutely like hack it. I mean, you could try and get on Naked and Afraid on Discovery Channel. You you might make it. Nah, that's all stage. I, I want it. I want. I want something real, like dropped off. Like even the camera. Like I'm on Bear Grylls the Island. Even the camera guys were part of the experiment. Like yeah. they were filming and part of it. So and they had to survive a month. So something like that or a road trip definitely a top of my list. Now, are you a motorcycle guy? Because you, you pick you and McGregor on the bikes now. Nah, I mean, I would probably do it in a truck or something like that. Yeah, because I was I gonna mean, say I, I'm a. I'm a motorcycle guy, and after three hours, my ass is killing me. So I, yeah. my- I mean, I'm pretty impressed they can sit on, especially the weather they go through and yeah. stuff. But, I mean, I just don't think I'll be comfortable on a bike, being my size and knees everywhere and ankles yeah. and stuff like that. So, I mean, I'd, I'd probably, I'd probably get get a comfortable truck and see where it takes me. You know what? And and once COVID is over and the borders are open, I mean, that's something you know you you can get you could do and take your mm. time with it and see what you want to see. And I mean, I have friends right now who are kind of with COVID going around the country and and going to Yellowstone and and kind of doing the same thing, living out of a van. And they were like, it's you know pretty simple to do, and and we're finding a lot yeah. of stuff online, and you know they're having a blast. Um, wish I could do it. Unfortunately, I'm an essential worker, so I can't. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's one of the it's one of those things where you're just like, I'm not a big sightseeing person, so I kind of like the whole the journey of something. So I'm not really liked being dragged around London and Ben <laughs> and stuff like that. Like it's, I don't know. I it mean, really my box. I mean, it, it depends. Like you know, I, first time I went to London, that's what I did. Yeah. Second time I went to I mean, London, yeah, everyone, it's not, everyone, yeah, it's not yeah. what I did, you know. And um, it's the same thing. Me and my wife went to Ireland for the first time last year, and we went around and, and did, you know, the touristy stuff. And then we said, this next time, we're going to do it completely different because we, we hit yeah. all this stuff, you know. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm definitely with you. I like to find the cool things, too. Yeah, you, you, want, you want the those. experience more yeah. than the view. Yeah. Exactly. And that was actually one of the good things about my trip to Ireland was we spent a day and I just hung out with former – uh, Rooney player Cal McIntosh and his girlfriend. All right, cool. And yeah, it happened just so happened to be a Saturday that England was playing Ireland uh, in a tune-up game um, in a test match. And I was, he was like, you want, I was in Cork. He was in Cork. He's like, you want to go to the pub all day? I was like, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's like, yeah, this is what we do. Experience. Yeah. Yeah. So it was nice. To get that experience. Yeah. You know, between you know the cliffs of more and all the craziness me and my wife did, but it was nice just to chill and, and hit the pubs. Um, so the last question, um, I find another one I find interesting. Uh, always get a different answer out of everybody. So, how does being an athlete inspire you to do good? Hmm. Not sure it does. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I've I've sort of been in and around decent environments, and I think it's more than anything. It just how you behave when you're around you realize you were especially around kids like I was once that kid going to watch the game and paid to go watch the game and once you get to a certain point like playing at Worcester and playing at London Scottish and stuff you forget you were the kid turning up at that game with the shirt on and stuff so I think more than anything it's just um I'd say treat people individually like some some people have driven a long way to watch a game like you can spare three, four minutes after a game to chat to them. Um, yeah, more than anything, I just I don't like people that get too big headed about the whole situation. And it's good to chat to people. And I mean, 
might make friends with a fan. Like it doesn't really matter. I mean, I just like, yeah, spending time meeting new people, just give them a bit of your time. They've given pretty much a whole afternoon to come watch you jog around a field. So yeah, you know, I mean, I haven't met a player in the MLR who hasn't been nice to me. And I try Mm. and be one of those guys just say, Hey, I'm, you know, this person, you know, I'm a Rooney fan. I liked your performance today. I like the way you play rugby. You know, maybe I'll buy him a beer. Uh, Matthew Bastro, I know me personally, every interaction I had with him, he was gracious. Um, everybody I spoke to who had an interaction with him that was a fan, they said he was gracious. The opposing fans who wanted to just shake his hand, apparently in, in San Diego, he stayed behind. And anybody who wanted to picture an autograph, he stayed out there. Um, yeah. And and the Rooney fans who were out in San Diego, Tommy Mananu said, did the same exact thing. So I think, you know, that's just the the rugby values we we cherish, um, and I think having that in the MLR is is great. And seeing it translate here, um, you know, being I'm a Saracens fan, so I got to go uh, to London a couple times and watch him. I, I saw your face. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right, my dad is as well. So it's because my um, godfather worked for them for years. So I was as a kid only because I got free Saracens jerseys, but. <laughs> It's not. It's not in my blood. It's not in my heart. <laughs> well, I mean, I I mean, I started, you know, but when Chris Wiles was on the team back yeah. when I was, you know, in college, it was like, I you couldn't even get you can you could really only get test matches on SatantaSports.com, you know, so you couldn't even get Premiership matches. So you'd have yeah. to go through like a forum, you know, during the day and figure out, you know, people would give you play by plays and stuff by typing it out back then. But you know, I I, I remain a Saracens fan, but I, I got to go. uh on one of my trips to London and it was a six nations time. So TT Lemus to got the start. Um, mm-hmm. I showed up for warmups. I had my USA Jersey on. He kind of gave me a look like, is that guy really wearing a USA Jersey? And then he came <laughs> over and he, you know, gave me a high five. He, you know, he's like, where are you from? I'm like, New York, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, he just gave me, you know, five or, yeah. or 10 minutes, you know, he's, and he's always, I'm always going to tell everybody how TT was a great guy to me. So, I mean, I think, you know, if you put forward that, that, niceness that happiness that availability you know it's, it's just something we do here uh in the rugby community you know yeah no i agree very much and yeah I, i'd say like 99 percent of players especially in this league are, are really good for it i just i never i wasn't like calling anyone out on it I've oh always yeah just, yeah i, I mean I don't, don't, don't get me wrong always, names yeah. no and you always you always you always get a guy on a bad day i mean if you if you had a bad day on the pitch and then you go to the social you know you might not want to speak to a fan because you're pissed off about your performance and that's something that fans have to understand too you know if you come up to a guy and he's a little curt with you be like okay maybe he's just having a bad day and that you know it's just like i if i have a bad day at work i might be curt with somebody i meet on the street so i think it goes both ways the fans have to understand that you know um but charlie it's been great um uh, your reaction when I said Saracens alone was worth this interview. Uh, um, I, I got a couple of buddies still on the team, so I can't <laughs> I can't badmouth them too much. But I mean, they, they've got some nice away trips to Doncaster and places like that next season. So, and and I, one of the one of my friends runs the Saris on tour, uh, and they go to all the away matches, and all the other championship teams have already contacted them. Like, here, this is the pub we go to pregame. This is the pub we go to postgame. This okay. is where we get kebabs. You know, you, uh, certain places I think don't, they have like general admission tickets. So, you know, we're mm. going to get you, you know, a, a ticket allotment. So again, it goes back to um, having that respect and that openness to enjoy and just be a fan all around. Um, yeah. uh, can't wait to see you and finally meet you in person, hopefully in, in February, uh, in a nice cold Staten Island, February. Um, 
<laughs> Make sure you, you have all your nice uh, uh, winter gear. Yeah, I um, need to buy some this time. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, I get, we'll, we'll get you like a Rooney beanie at least. Yeah. Um, thank you for your time. Is there anything you want to say to the uh, Rooster Boosters? No, I just appreciate you having me on and looking forward to next season. Awesome. So again, Rooster Boosters, this has been another awesome episode of Rooster Booster Time. Follow us on social media at Rooney Fans on all platforms. Give us a like and a follow on Facebook. Um, you know, be active in the group. We like discussions. We like talk. Let's talk about signings. Let's talk about maybe scheduling. Let's talk about away trips once the schedule comes out, guys. Um, this is the big guy. Thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>